Yeah. Welcome to Media Roots Radio. It's your host, Abby Martin. It's your host, Robbie Martin. And we're recording live from, well, not live, but doing real-time coverage of the Oakland strike, the Oakland general strike here in Frank Agawa Plaza, downtown Oakland. Yeah, this is about as live as it's going to get, folks, uh, for right now for Media Roots Radio. Um, we're here for the general strike. There is a shit ton of people here. I've never seen a protest this big in the East Bay before. Um, it's very promising. It's very exciting to be here right now. So there's copters far, yeah, there's flying a, overhead. There's no cops, though, anywhere. No I haven't seen a single plainclothes police officer in the street, which is amazing. Yeah, it's like people are just taking over the entire city right now. No cops anywhere. There's just police helicopters circling ahead. It's very uh, interesting. It's an interesting dichotomy from, from Tuesday night. Yeah, they they learned their lesson, I think, from uh, assaulting the populace with tear gas. So in case people don't know yet, uh, on Tuesday morning at around 5 in the morning, the Oakland PD, about 500 police officers, came and raided Occupy Oakland in a surprise raid. They used tear gas, rubber bullets, uh, arrested about 90-plus people at Snow Park and Frankogawa Plaza after destroying and leveling the two camps. I went out and got some footage that I'll link to right now in the timeline later on that night. Night, a march in protest of the police raid happened in downtown Oakland. Thousands of people took over the street, and the police, in fully stocked in riot gear, came up, tear gassed all of us completely unprovoked. I was standing there the whole time. I got footage of it firsthand, and I'll link to that right now as well. So I think the cops have totally backed off after the intense aggression and unprovoked brutality, their police state uh, assault on the crowd. Um, they're backed off. We're taking over the whole city right now. Businesses are closed in solidarity. We just stormed banks this morning. There was a rally at 9 in the morning, another one at 12, another march scheduled for 6 to the ports of Oakland. Very exciting right now. Um, people have gone and just did sit-ins right in front of the banks. Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Chase, uh, Union Bank, all of them have closed their doors and people are sitting down in front of the banks not letting people come in or out. Um, very, very exciting right now. Yeah, there's been several bank shutdowns uh, all day. Um, I mean, I've, I, it's just it's astounding. I've never seen anything like this. Uh, and if there are police officers here, they're definitely all going undercover, um, which wouldn't surprise me because they've already been proven to have done that on a couple of the first days of Occupy Oakland, someone made a video showing all the undercover cops and actually showing them um, as dressed as police officers later on a, on a different day. They actually filmed them walking around here as cops. And one of the guys was like, hey, you look kind of familiar. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, so we'll I mean... We'll link to that video too. I'd say probably one out of every 100 people here today is an undercover cop. I, oh, I wouldn't absolutely. be surprised. Absolutely, uh, there's yeah. just no other explanation for why there are no police here at all. There's none. Yeah, I mean, and, and what's scary is that um, a lot of people reacted to the to the police brutality video that I made saying, oh, well, you guys should have just followed orders. Just follow orders. The cops told you to get back, and they tear gassed you, and you didn't get back. It's like, well, should Rosa Parks have gotten tear gassed, too? I mean, what is the, we need to value civil disobedience in this country. We can't just follow orders. Following orders will get us nowhere. Waiting every four years and voting an election will get us nowhere. It's time to take it to the streets. It's time to take it to civil disobedience. It's time to take it back. It's time to take this country back and occupy the entire country. Yeah, I love this uh, this extreme lack of respect or understanding that people have. Extremely acquiescent. Um, boot, I, I hate to use the word bootlicker, but the, I'm sorry. But people who don't understand why 
um, a line of cops telling you to leave uh, and why you wouldn't listen to that for a peaceful um, protest, I, I think it's very sad, and I would describe them as bootlickers. They're, uh, they're apologists for the establishment. I mean, I mean, I don't understand it. I don't understand how people can disrespect their fellow citizens trying to start some sort of revolution. I, I don't understand. I think it's people who are very scared. Uh, you know, it's suddenly the situation is so big and it's coming, kind of falling on their shoulders and it's getting to the point where it's like you, you have to either participate or you have to defend the establishment. I think people are just by default defending the establishment. Um, and, and what the cops were saying on repeat was, this is an unlawful assembly. We have determined, I am Sergeant Jake or something from the, I'm a peace officer. First of all, war is peace. You know, this, this doublespeak that we hear coming from the cops saying, I'm Sergeant Jake from the police, Oakland Police Department. I'm your peace officer and I'm declaring this an unlawful assembly. So the police are now overstepping our constitution because according to our constitution, according to the first amendment, the bill of rights, the constitution of the United States of America says that we have the right to peaceably assemble for redress of grievances against our government. And that's exactly what we were doing completely peaceful. And they tear gas the shit out of everyone. It was awful. Um, no one threw anything at the cops. And even if someone did throw something at the cops, how do we know that it wasn't a police officer themselves? We already know that they're undercover probably provoking, uh, you know, trying to do something that they want the, the crowd to guide the crowd to do something they want to do. So we can't, I mean, if, if, if some if one person throws a bottle, deal with that one person. Don't tear gas um, thousands of people. Yeah, we, I mean, didn't we learn from Kent State that if one person in the crowd is trying to provoke violence, you don't attack the entire crowd? I mean, I thought we learned something from Kent State, which is that you don't openly shoot a crowd of people with live ammo. Um, but I guess it's okay now since these supposedly non-lethal, or they say less lethal weapons, yeah. are being used like tear gas and flash grenades. Um, I mean, as long as uh, as they're not lethal, supposedly you could just you know shoot a whole crowd with them. And, and unfortunately, Scott Olson, a 24-year-old, uh, two-term Iraqi veteran, um, was badly he was almost brain damaged. He um, got shot point blank range with a rubber bullet in his face. Could barely speak, getting out of surgery in the hospital. Was it a rubber bullet? I, I, it, it was like, wasn't it like we don't know what he was shot well, with? Well, like the, it police, the police are claiming that they didn't use rubber bullets, which is a total lie because there's pictures of people with gigantic welts and bruises all over their bodies from the rubber bullets. Yeah. Um, so we don't know. We, we, we can't verify that yet. What, what he was shot with? All we know is that he was shot point blank range with something of quote non-lethal force, even though it did almost kill him. And I just remembered something uh, that that about I think it's five o'clock p.m. today uh, during the general strike. There's going to be a large protest at the port of Oakland, um, which is which is where the last big anti-war protest in Oakland was. I think around 2004. And Governor, um, I'm sorry, not Governor, the uh, Mayor of Oakland at the time, Jerry Brown, sent in the full force of the Oakland Police Department. To squelch the protest, and several people, I think, were critically injured. I think one protester in particular was shot in the face with what they call a wooden dowel, which wasn't—it's not even a rubber bullet. It's actual wooden fucking rod carved out of wood, shot out of a fucking gun. And uh, this guy is—I don't know what what injuries he incurred. I'm a teacher up at Skyline High School. Do you know if you have anybody in your 
organization that might consider yeah. coming up and talking to my seniors? Potentially, yeah. Yeah, just to talk about activism, yeah. finding their own voice. You're a teacher? Yeah, I teach. I have a, a one class of government students at Skyline. And one of the beautiful blessings of teaching government is there's actually no real test or standard test. So my students role for this entire semester is to discover their own personal political perspective. Nice. And so what I'm really pushing is finding what they feel strongly about and actually finding an organization that reflects their beliefs. So I would really love to have somebody come to the classroom and actually discuss with them how to make themselves or different ways to go about being an activist. So why do you feel strongly about this movement? Why are you here today? Are you, I'm, I'm taking it, you're taking the day off Oh yeah, school. yeah. yeah. Um, well, there's a few things. Um, a, I'm a strong believer in finding many different arguments that prove the same points because to have a, a productive discussion and debate, you need to be able to frame the argument for whoever your audience is. Um, so I think it's really important not only to hear other people's perspectives, but offer perspectives that aren't commonly heard. Like one that's really, I don't think, discussed enough is I as a taxpayer get really pissed about the fact that my tax dollars are going for food stamps for Walmart employees Why Walmart stock owners are becoming millionaires. When did we start doing government subsidies like that? Because if we forced them to pay their workers a livable wage, a lot of us would not have to be out here. And I think too many times we look at what our own personal situation is and not look at the deeper movements of what's going on. The idea that our government will give people money to buy groceries while letting the corporation that's making them poor get away with it. Yeah, we pay for it. It's like people aren't looking at the deeper economic trends. And I actually blame the fact that I'm supposed to teach how to be a government-oriented and critical voter and teach them how to be conscientious, economic entities who know how to work the capitalist system to their benefit, and I've got one semester for each of those topics. I mean, it's ludicrous. Yeah, no, I think a big part of it, like you just said, is finding an alternative source of media where people can get their own perspective and not be force-fed this corporate propaganda that they're seeing about the globe. Right, exactly. And it's very, it's superficialized, um, it's watered down, it's not contextualized properly in the grand scope of things like you're saying. Um, and that's what we do at Meteor. Yeah, and, and what we try to do in our organization is is try to counter what's called the conventional wisdom, which is like, it's the only thing you hear on TV. I mean, whatever it is, it's always whatever you can fit in a four-minute four segment that people can relate to right away on a, on a superficial level without actually, like you say, reframing the debate or framing it in a way that would break through some of that propaganda and just... And one of the things that disheartens me, and I was glad to see this, and when I started reading the back, I'm like, okay, I need to come back and talk a minute, um, is so many of my students, so many of the best and brightest of my students are so disenfranchised because they honestly think if they have a view, nobody wants to hear it. I spend at least half of my day as a teacher being a cheerleader. 
No, no, I want to know what's your opinion. Give me your ideas. They're valid. Come on, let me know. And and it, it almost takes me a half a year just to get them to the point where they're willing to honestly share what they think because they're used to getting belittled as soon as they open their mouth and being like, oh, I'm just a kid. Nobody listens to me. So having you guys come up or having somebody come up yeah, and really talk me. about it would be fantastic. Thank you so much. Lydia Rob. nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Lydia. Nice to meet you. Take care. So, so we're here right now. We just spoke to a teacher, a high school teacher, um, about how she feels that her students are really disenfranchised and they don't have a voice. Um, and she was just here asking us to come and talk to her students. She read the back of our card and really liked what we had to say. So we're just, uh, now we're here at Frankagawa Plaza, um, right in front of the Occupy Oakland encampment. Um, tons of people here. There's a meditation tent. Uh, there's a prayer for world peace going on. There's someone making free food. Um, free posters. There's a, I mean, there's such a variety of signs and messages here. I mean... Um, and it seems like the overriding message is something that, that Glenn Greenwald, our favorite uh, reporter, has uh, been talking about lately, which is that the elite, the, the so-called 1% in this country, are, are what I like to actually call the 0.01% um, of this country, is not put to the same standards of law that we, you and I are. Um, if they commit a crime, they don't go to jail. They're protected they're immunized from the law if we commit the same crime we go to jail we're prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law um, these people are immune to our justice system we now have in this country a two-tiered justice system where the more draconian our laws actually become for the little person and the more strict our drug laws and whatnot become the less strict and the more immunized the elite comes to the law they are not prosecuted um, and then all we get are these sacrificial lambs, people like Bernie Madoff and Rob Blagojevich, who are probably only a tiny, tiny fraction of the actual corruption that takes place in those institutions. But that's pretty much all we get. And they're these people that seem like they're almost like outcasts from the, from the elite establishment. Yeah, I mean, these, these are people that we don't see. Uh, they're... You know, it's like shadows. I mean, who the fuck are these people and why are they immunized from the law? These people who are lobbying our Congress to the full extent to make these laws to immunize themselves. Um, it's a completely backwards system. And I think a lot of problems that people have with the Occupy movement is that there's no, quote, cohesive goal or what is your goal? There's not one message. And that's a beautiful thing. I don't want to be have a uniform message uh, across this entire movement. I want we're all individualists. We all have our own issues. It all relates to the same thing, which is this two-tiered justice that's taking place in this country and all over the world. Yeah, I mean, just because I mean, if you can't infer, if you come down here and you walk around and look at all the signs and you can't infer for yourself what the overall message is, then that's a problem and an issue with you. You should, you should re-examine just you know, what's going on around you. I mean, re-examine the mortgage crisis, um, re-examine the disparity of wealth that's happening, re-examine, um, you know, government corruption and, and the wars that are still going. There's, the message here is very clear to anyone who's paying attention. And Not I, one of these issues is happening in a vacuum. It is all uh, globalized together. It is all related to one another. The education, the wars, uh, the the cannibalization, the cannibalization of social services. All of this is related. Yeah, it's totally related. I mean, um, and 
Yeah, I mean, there's just so much scrap going on here that we see people passing out all. It's what's interesting is that this is these kind of protests, unlike the Tea Party rallies and kind of the more tunnel vision Christian conservative movements. Movements like this that tend to be more liberal, you get such a diverse spread of information here that, I mean, I can say honestly that I probably don't agree with a, a great percentage of what people here are, are pushing. I mean, I, I see, um, you know, there's there's a lot of, there is some communist stuff here, just like we were talking about before. Um, there's some, you know, more really, really... Uh, yeah, like Che Guevara posters and stuff. I mean, there's a giant banner that says "Death to Capitalism." Yeah, I mean, so there are people here that you know probably do lean that way, um, but I mean, it seems like the the majority, the overwhelming majority of people here, are normal, average people who probably don't. Yeah, or this guy standing right next to us. What's your name, sir? <laughs> Actually, I'm one of the point zero one percent of the ninety nine percent. So yeah, you just heard it from... Uh, and I have a solution as to why people think federal law is getting worse and worse. They don't examine the basic language, which limits it only to federal areas, including Cannabis Acts and UCA, uh, USA Patriot Act. Well, we'll get into that in a second. Thank you so much for your, Very good. For your input. Um, um, we are... You know, we wanted to say something else about... Hey, what's up? This is our friend Francesca just walked up doing a live show. Francesca, why are you here today? Why are you supporting the strike? This is way overdue. <laughs> way overdue. Way overdue. Do you, are, what do you think about the, the brutal assault from the Oakland PD to the crowd here on Tuesday night at the Peaceful Assembly? Uh, I think police brutality has been a problem in Oakland for ever forever forever and it's amazing that the world is seeing that now yeah yeah it's kind of just it's been shoved in our faces and the whole world's watching Oakland right now what's funny is that there's no cops in sight today I know I think it's really strategic I think Jean Kwan knows she really blew it yeah 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 um. it's going to be interesting to see how long it's going to take her to actually respond again when I say respond I mean like crack down because um, yeah. she promised, you know, she'd let people camp out here indefinitely. But I mean, I promise that's can't she can't keep that promise forever. Yeah, well, it's just a matter of time. Jean Kwan skipped town during the first raid. Uh, <laughs> just, you know, she was just out of town, and then you know, and then she comes back and tries to get on the general assembly mic, and they wouldn't let her on because she has to wait in line like everybody else. She's not a special person. I mean, we're all we're all part of the ninety nine percent here. So they had to wait, have her wait in line, and she dipped out. And what I think she should do, you know, there's this whole recall effort going on. I think that's that's a totally uh, disjointed effort and a waste of time and kind of a distraction. I think what she needs to do is either take complete fault for her decision or resign. Um, because right now she's not taking responsibility. She's backed off completely. So, I mean, there's really two options for her. I think that we'd be, able, be willing to forgive her if she came out and said, you know what, I'm willing to make sure that this never happens again. Yeah. She's not even saying that. No, and I... And I I don't even know if, I mean, re resigning would be idealistic, I think, to, for her yeah. to step down, but I don't know if it would be the best time for that either because right. I think it's time to hold her feet to the fire and get her to answer for what's going on and keep her in this position because it's almost like I feel like it's going to keep, it's going to perpetuate the media coverage of it longer to have her sitting at the top of this pyramid because she's already become worldwide news headlines and to have her step down at this point it might just be like changing the birdcage liner and we'll have someone else it'll just offer maybe more of a distraction for yeah, what's like, going on like, cha like changing the chairs in the sinking Titanic or yeah whatever. yeah I mean rearranging the, the deck chairs <laughs> of the Titanic 
So it's beautiful. People are screen printing posters right now supporting the general strike, Hella Occupy Oakland. Um, people are breakdancing, and there's the DJ warming up the, the people right now. And uh, we just we left our tape gun on the table when we were hanging up our sign, and it looks like it's gone to good use now. A lot of people are using <laughs> it to uh, put together their signs. All right, we're doing some live coverage. There's, there's a joint being passed around uh, openly, just smoking weed in public. This is this is uh, Oakland representing right here, Oaksterdam. Oaksterdam. Oaksterdam uh, represent. Yeah, this is. I mean. Can't say that we're doing this for political reasons, but uh, here we are. Yeah, I wanted to say that um, I saw Michael Moore. Michael Moore flew out here. I filmed his speech um, and got some great footage of him. I also asked Michael Moore why he's supporting the two-party dictatorship. Uh, got a got a brief moment with Michael Moore after he gave a speech to the General General Assembly. The two-party really, dictatorship. Two-party dictatorship. I mean, Ralph Nader said it perfectly. He said, "We are living in a two-party dictatorship right now," and it's very true. Um, we are absolutely. Um, there's two parties that mirror each other essentially in every way. They they alter slightly when it comes to some domestic policy, but they pretty much mirror each other in their military hawkishness. And I'm not going to support two uh, official parties that are funded by banks. I mean, it just came out that Obama has received more money from the financial sector than any other candidate in the GOP combined. Any other candidate running right now combined. Yeah. Obama has made more money in the financial sector than any other candidate. Has he reached his billion dollar um, Not yet, but he's supposed water to. Water market or whatever. So that's why it's so funny to me. It's just like why why is Obama even attempting to commiserate with the Occupy Wall Street movement? Because he, he realizes if he doesn't, um, he's going to lose it. I mean, not, not lose it, but he ne- it's like he politically needs to maneuver himself somehow to be at the same time in support of it, kind of, but then at the same time distance himself. Yeah, he's just like, oh, I agree with you guys. Yeah. You guys are doing the right thing. It's like, well, then why do you s- stop taking money from Wall Street? Stop taking money from these elitist <laughs> banking pigs. I mean... It's time to stop because if you're funded by them, then you're going to do favors for them. It's very simple. Absolutely. I mean, you just look at who funds these people. And that's the crux of it, isn't it? It's that you can't actually run in the Democratic Party and get anywhere unless you take millions and millions of dollars. And actually, oh, he never actually openly admits it, but he's taking so much money from Wall Street that it's quite clear where a lot of his priorities are coming from. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think a lot of a lot of this talk about, oh, Herman Cain, Rick Perry, Michelle Bachman, they're so scary... You know, we can't have them run for president. It's like, yeah, they are scary, but they're not as bought off and paid for as Obama is. Obama is getting funded by these corporations, the people that we want to fight against, more so than any of these other candidates. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so Michael Moore was here. He gave a really inspiring, uplifting speech talking about how when when people look back at this movement, Oakland will be on the map. Um, Oakland will be on the map for when things got ugly. And Absolutely. when we saw the police state in full effect, you know, I'm really happy that this happened because it forced the police state down people's throats. I think a lot of people, when we talk about the police state and when we talk about this this new totalitarianism under the guise of a democracy that we're living under, this guise of democracy, when it's really, we don't have our freedoms anymore, our, our privacy is totally eroded. Um, I think it really made it very clear on Tuesday night here in Oakland when the cops shut down the First Amendment. There was no provocation whatsoever coming from the peaceful protesters at all. Um, and, and I'm happy. I'm happy that people can see it on the streets now. Um, they're totally backed off right now. But all week, literally all week, there's been police helicopters circling around our neighborhood. It's yeah. been very, very awful. 
I feel like we're living in a police day. I mean, it's been a total police day crackdown this entire week, and it's just not fun. Well, it's like that the the shadowy the shadowy hand of the police state doesn't show it doesn't show itself until we actually try to fight the power. The the hand of the police state remains hidden until we actually try to stand up to them, and that's what's interesting is that. We, we sit here, we hang out around in Oakland, we, you know, we go about our lives and our daily business, but as soon as you try to fight the power and stand up to them is when they show their true colors. Yeah. And, I mean, we still haven't really, quote-unquote, fought them to the, to the full letter. I mean, we, we don't really know what will happen if people stay here indefinitely. What's going to happen to the Oscar Grand Plaza a month from now? Yeah, what's going to happen? What do next? What's going to happen? They're going to have, they're going to try something and it'll be interesting to see what they do next and how strategically they go about it. Yeah, on Tuesday morning when they first did the raid, we ran, I ran out there and filmed the immediate aftermath of the raid and I was trying to ask the cops, you know, there's, there's a, there's a curfew here in Oakland and it ends at six. Even though that had really nothing to do, I mean, even though the mayor said that we could stay out and in camp as long as we want to indefinitely, um, they still were using that as a reason that they were arresting people. But they were arresting people after 6 a.m. And so I was trying to find out from the police officers why they were arresting people, even though it was after curfew. No cops would talk to me. They just kept saying, we're following orders, we're following orders. Um, and they kept trying to, to show me to an elusive press officer that I couldn't seem to find. <laughs> One out of every 500 video, cops. It's all on video. It. It's great. But it just shows you that these police are just minions who follow orders. I mean, the NYPD has said that they're not going to follow orders. Um, a lot of police departments have said that they're not going to follow orders and shut down the Occupy Wall Street encampment because they realize that they are part of the 99%. And there's some really intense footage, an intense showdown between the Oakland PD and the 99% over the barricade that they set up, preventing us from getting back into the plaza on Tuesday night. And it's it's really amazing, um, amazing footage. They all put their tear gas masks on and made it very clear that they were going to brutalize us, even if we were peaceful or not. Yeah. Um, and that's why I got I tried to get out of the line of fire at the last minute, because I realized all of a sudden that they were going to tear gas us, um, even though we were just standing there doing nothing. So that was a scary moment for me. Um, and I, I got tear gas pretty badly. Which is all on video, uh, everybody. Um, Abby's video of this of this event is actually probably the best video I've seen online as far as showing the full context and, and time of what happened. A lot of the videos only show like right when they're about to tear gas, but you can see the buildup and just the aggression and the and the weird um, apathetic evil in the cops' faces. Abby goes up to them and says. What is it, your job to just look ahead scarily at us? <laughs> and the cops just don't say anything. They, it is their job. They're told to not respond to the public and just look ahead like you're a fucking robot. Yeah, and That's they're all they in this did. fucking full riot gear like robots, like uh, stormtroopers. I mean, it's just like, who the hell are you guys? I mean, you're us. We are you. Can't you see? Can't you see the bigger picture here? I mean, this is yeah. incredible. And back to Michael Moore for a second. Abby called me the morning that she knew he was going to be there and was like, what should I ask Michael Moore? You know, what should I ask him? And then, like, she and then like she called me immediately after. Was like, there's like 200 people like surrounding him. Like, there's no way I'm gonna be able to ask him a question. And then somehow she just like cut through the crowd like diagonally and just boom, just just asked him a question straight to his face. And and she asked him, why do you support the two party dictatorship? You know, why do you support Obama? And he's like, you know, I've gotten a lot of shit for that, and I and I don't. It's not true. That's not that's not true. Because you did. You totally did support yeah, Obama. Yeah. I remember the, mo- the moment Obama got into office, you were celebrating and saying, oh, artists right. can now celebrate. No more censorship. 
blah, blah, blah. I'm sorry, man, you're a hypocrite. Because when Clinton was in office, you actually came down on him really hard. You identified accurately how bad of a Republican president Clinton actually was. But when Obama got into office, you've been so soft on him that it makes me wonder, where have you been? Yeah. You've, you were, used to be fighting the power, but now you're just laying back and promoting Obama's policy. I also still. think he has to know 9-11 was an inside job. I mean, there's no one who's done that much research on 9-11 who can't know that. We have someone here right now. What's your name? Pete. Pete, what's up? Uh, not too much. Pete from Massachusetts. Pete from Massachusetts. Did you come out here for this? No, I came out here to do research on urban agriculture and youth education, but I just happened to be in Oakland uh, during uh, Occupy. Nice. Beautiful. Well, what do you think about this movement, and what do you think about the strike? Uh, 100% in support of the 99%. Uh, I, it's diverse, it's democratic, uh, it's grassroots, it's hopeful. Uh, on the whole, I'm, I'm very inspired by it. It's kind of challenging my beliefs. Uh, based, you know, I, w- I want to change the world, and, but I start where people are, but this is kind of helping me uh, understand that people are further than I thought, you know? Yeah, Pete, we were talking just earlier about how it seems like everyone has their own cause, but it all fits together. It's all integrated. And like urban agriculture, I mean, that is a huge, the agricultural system right now is so fucked. It is, yeah. And that's a really giant component of how we need to take this country back. Yes, there's, gar- I've seen some gardens around this plaza, and uh, I like to call them subversive plots uh, because uh, it's kind of a small way to take back the power. Yeah, uh, we have the sun shines, the waterfalls, the microorganisms. Can't take that from us. <laughs> can't take that out from us, and it's really not that hard to grow a garden. So, um, of all the things to do, that's kind of that's my cause. Uh, but it's, yeah, just in general, I mean, it's. Uh, I didn't really think things were very possible a couple weeks ago, but then uh, things have mobilized, and people are coming out here, teachers, uh, longshoremen, whatever, and uh, so. Yeah, I'm just happy that uh, you know. You see other faces of people working on, working on their cause. Yeah. Yeah. I'll work on mine, they can work on theirs, we'll work on it together and somehow, some way. Somehow, some way, Pete. Thank yep. you so much. Right. Pete from yeah, Massachusetts. Just, just side note, Pete, if you, uh, have you been out to Berkeley yet? Have you, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of beautiful uh, kind of like indie, or I, I guess renegade gardens, you would call it, like in the sidewalks and stuff. Yeah. yeah it's great. Yeah, it's been awesome. Yeah, <laughs> Berkeley is great. I've been staying, uh, I stayed in Berkeley for a couple days in Oakland and now I'm back in Berkeley. Cool. Yeah. Glad to have you visiting. Yeah, keep, keep it, up. it up, Pete. Grab That's a flyer. Uh, yeah. Abby, Abby nice nice to meet you. keep up the good work. You know, uh, Robbie, I was just talking the other day to Tyler and his friend. Um, his friend actually works in architecture from Cal Poly. Uh huh. And he was talking about how his he's doing a thesis on the architecture of propaganda in the architecture of how propaganda has manipulated the society. And I was just thinking, wow, that's so interesting. Like, Tyler's passion is health. And, he's re- and he truly believes that health is, you know, is the most important thing in the world and that it reaches everyone and that if he can somehow integrate into the, the health system and help people solve their problems naturopathically and, and turn to naturopathy instead of pharmaceuticals and instead of the, the corporatized health insurance industry, that's his cause. My cause is media. This other guy that I was talking to who's, who's doing this thesis in architecture, his cause is, is architecture, and he's, he truly believes that this is, you know, everything's modeled in the entire world on the design and the model of how things are integrated in society. I think it's just a really interesting perspective. It's like almost when you realize that your passion 
I guess, is the overarching thing. When you can relate to that, then that's like your true will. Yeah, and and that concept is really cool, the idea of the architecture of propaganda, because I don't think a lot of people realize how long and how ingrained into our society propaganda is right now. I mean, we've been bombarded with propaganda, I mean, well beyond our lifetimes. Um, and, And the only thing that we usually hear on the media is something that Noam Chomsky has talked about a lot, that we we only hear conventional wisdom. We hear these soundbite quality um, things that can fit conveniently into what people already accept. Like if you say something like, oh, Gaddafi is a murderer, um, then that's conventional wisdom. People can be like, oh yeah, of course he's a murderer, uh, blah, blah, blah. But if you say something like, well, actually Gaddafi... Um, you know, did all these really good things for his people, then that's actually the opposite of conventional wisdom. It, it makes, it's, it's considered controversial to say something that doesn't fit into the conventional wisdom paradigm. And that's the way we need to get away from. We need to make it acceptable and, and not scary and for people to not be afraid to actually say things that count, contradict conventional wisdom. Because all propaganda is designed to push conventional wisdom in a certain direction and to shape it. And, uh, and I mean, yeah, ever since World War One, I, I mean, ever since mainstream newspapers were around, we've been bombarded with propaganda and propaganda on every level, propaganda to promote um, corporations, um, unfettered corporate access, propaganda to squelch unions, propaganda to push wars, um, propaganda to, um, you know, to squelch people's own rights. I mean, imagine all the propaganda that was going during the civil rights movement and uh, when Harvey Milk was in San Francisco, you know, trying to get gay rights going. I mean, yeah, it's all over. Yeah, I mean, and and now, you know, the corporate consolidation of the media over the past 20 years in in Reagan's term and then Clinton's term, um, we, the Telecommunications Act of 96, but we've seen a hardcore consolidation of the media And it's gotten even worse. I mean, propaganda is now, it's now the norm. I mean, you don't hear that alternative viewpoint. I mean, Ralph Nader told us in that interview that they used to get on Phil Donahue and all these different cable cable access shows that they're no longer even allowed access. So it is totally 100% controlled. I mean, that's why we exist, guys. That's why we need to start, you know, getting out there, doing citizen journalism. Telling the real story. I mean, the coverage that I got of, of the raid and the, the crackdown on Tuesday night, if I didn't get that coverage, I mean, we would not, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people wouldn't really know what happened because the, the mainstream media p- painted it to where we provoked the cops and basically were warranted to be tear gassed. Yeah, and, and what's also interesting is um, it was this wasn't reported in very many places, but I remember the night that everybody was tear gassed. Abby texted me and was like, oh my God, you know, they just cracked down. Holy shit. <laughs> and uh, right when that happened, I, I logged online to uh, to check out the live feeds that were going. And for a while, you actually saw copter live feeds of what was happening. But then, um, I should say, uncoincidentally, you know, almost predictably, all the feeds shut down one by one and started actually disappearing. And um, we only were able to see uh, just the static shot of, like, City Hall. It was like some sort of stock footage picture. So, I mean... Yeah, I mean, when there is things happening and the mainstream media has access to it, they shut it down when it gets too dangerous for the people to be aware of, basically. Do you guys want to... Hey, we got some other people coming up here. Uh, Why are you guys supporting the strike today? Uh. (laughs) 
We've got some Mike Shy people here. I guess um, supporting the strike because we because we need to. Yeah. Yeah. You feel compelled. I feel compelled. Yes. It's good. I don't feel like working the rest of my life away for nothing. Yeah. We are the 99 percent motherfuckers. <laughs> What's up, Mike? It's uh, it's actually the sun isn't beating down on us anymore, which is really nice. I just realized that. Um, it's kind of comfortable here now. Managed to do this broadcast in between one of the either hip hop dance circles to the right of us or the rally <laughs> to the left, which is kind of lucky. Um, so luckily, you can still hear us right now. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, we're just staring up at the beautiful city hall building here. Um, this area is actually very nice looking. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that people like immediately after the raid just came back and set up all their tents. They actually made a sculpture out of the barricade that they put up. Um, and it was really awesome. They tore down the fences that the cops put up. They made a really cool sculpture out of it. And then they just set their ocu- occupation up again, their encampments. Yeah, the, the fence uh, structure was pretty cool. It was like almost like this accordion, pyramid accordion stack in the center of the lawn. It was uh, it reminded me of something that you would see at like Burning Man or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was really good. Um, Boots is a uh, Boots Riley from Street Sweeper Social Club. He's he's performing right now on stage. Who's Boots Riley? I never heard of him. Boots Riley's an activist, social justice activist, and he's a member of a couple of hip hop bands. Um, he's on stage right now. I've been keeping my eyes peeled today for Glenn Greenwald, who alluded to the fact that he might be here at Occupy Oakland today. Well, we're gonna try to hunt his ass down. And uh, we're we're going to the Hillside Club. What is it on Thursday? Yeah. Thursday to see him speak, and uh, we're going to try to get an interview with him. I don't know if it's going to happen, but we're going to try our hardest. And, yeah, if we see him today, um, yeah, let's just get him to talk to Media Roots Radio. It'll be awesome. Yeah. Can you take a photo? Um, but so, yeah, in general here, it just seems like the vibe overall is just, you know, just one of camaraderie, just people hanging out, talking, um, there isn't much of a centralized, organized structure to it all, which is which is really nice. Uh, I think it was it was our friend Kelly who texted me uh, earlier today, and uh, what did he say? He said, "He said he may go all the way to join the headless beast." Um, which is a good way to describe what's going on. It is kind of like a headless beast. We have this force of people here, and, you know, you cut one head off or whatever, you stop one movement, and it's just going to keep growing like a hydra. And that's what's going to happen. I mean, they've already made a huge, 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 terrible calculation by throwing the tear gas at the Oakland protesters. And now they're reaping what they sowed. I mean, this is what they, this is what they get for doing that. Yeah, I mean, we've completely taken over the whole city. I mean, yeah. there's, there's, uh, I mean, almost all the businesses that I usually go to because they're all like mom and pop stores have all shut down in solidarity to occupy Oakland right now. Yeah, yeah. And when I drove up here this morning, I mean, not this morning, this afternoon, I, I saw such a massive crowd of people in the street that I couldn't help but just be filled with this good energy, this this good feeling as I was driving towards the city today. I mean, it was on the news. I turned it to KGO, KSFO. You know, conservative radio—they were all talking about the o- Occupy Oakland general strike, and uh, here we are. 
Yeah, I mean, the last time that there was a general strike in the United States was in 1946, and guess was guess what city it was? It was fucking Oakland. Wow. Yeah, I didn't yeah. Know that. Oakland was the last city to shut down for a general strike, and here we are. You know, 65 years later, however many yeah. <laughs> I tried to do the math really quick in my head, but here we are, you know, shutting it down again. Um, Oakland's not going to take this no. sitting down. And, and, and talking about, let's, let's hype up Oakland. There's a dude with a 9-11 inside job. There's a dude with a 9-11 inside job shirt on. We're going to try to get his attention. Hey! hey, Tyler, try to get him to come over here. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I was just going to make a, 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 a Chris Rock joke, but I'll replace <laughs> some of the words in it with uh, Oakland and San Francisco. Um, you remember the Chris Rock joke where he talks about how in the 80s people were like, uh, you know, Michael Jackson versus Prince, who's going to win? And then he's like, well, Prince won, like, afterwards, because, like, Michael Jackson molested kids. <laughs> but, I mean, if you think about it, Oakland versus San Francisco, you know, like, San Francisco gets this label being the hip, you know, happening city in the Bay Area. And there's always this kind of uh, rivalry, you know, oh, fuck Oakland, yeah, fuck yeah, San Francisco. Yeah. And, you know, Oakland versus San Francisco, who won? I mean, fuck it. We open. fucking won, I mean, look dude. At this shit. I mean, we fucking won. I mean, uh, San Francisco's great. You know, we're not we're not trying to disparage San Francisco, but this proves that Oakland, you know, isn't just this. You know, for people who live outside of Oakland, they think it's a cesspool of crime and a decrepit city with nothing going on. I mean, this is completely contradicts that notion of what Oakland is. You know, we have thousands of people here. You know, it's just amazing. You know, a couple, about a week ago, I was just talking to Tyler before my boyfriend Tyler. I was talking to him about how unfortunate it is that, you know, I'm not out in New York and I really felt like I was missing out on, on Occupy Wall Street and I was really wanting to fly out there and just be a part of history. And then this shit just goes down in my backyard and it's amazing. Totally unexpected. Totally unexpected. The cops just totally brutalized everyone here for no reason. Um, and it was only- a giant wake up call total wake-up call. I mean, the only activism I really expected to be seen in San Francisco was, um, you know, like um, like black activism or or pot activism. I mean, because that's really all that was present and, and, uh, and prominent before. And then just totally by surprise, the Occupy Oakland movement just explodes. And we're right in the middle of it. I'd say about 5,000 people of all walks of life just all over downtown right now. I mean, it's not even like people are congregated in one spot. We are covering the entire downtown no. taken over there's no cars even anywhere and it's nice to be in a place with this many people walking around blocking the streets where you don't smell the smell of deep fryer grease and funnel cake and popcorn <laughs> and you don't see people walking around with these giant um you know pint size you know like cartoonish novelty glasses full of beer <laughs> i mean this is an organic this is a real gathering of people you know they're not here to, to, to get drunk they're not here to stuff themselves with junk food they're here to just speak up and Occupy Oakland. Yeah. And it's fucking awesome. That's the primary reason why we're here today. I've never been in a gathering this big of people who are here for something like this. I mean, the last time I was here for anything remotely this scope was when Oscar Grant got murdered. Um, but that, that died down pretty quickly. Uh, and these people are not leaving. I mean, for the last week, ever since the cops did this, we have been out here every night. Thousands and thousands of people every night have been out here. And we're not letting the cops do this to us again. We're standing up for our rights. And we're standing up for Occupy Oakland. And we're standing up for the, for the 99%. Yeah, I'd like to see Peter Schiff uh, come here and try to, like, talk shit to us. I, mean, I saw a video of him. He's Ron Paul's economic advisor. And he was just going around to the wall. Are you on the radio right now? Yeah. yeah. That is crazy. <laughs> uh, what, what's your name? Janae. Janae, why are you here today supporting the strike? Um, well, to support, to be, I don't know, really, just to be out here and support the youth that 
and speak on beyond, speak on behalf of the youth that are, of color that aren't here, right. and aren't truly sure of it, and truly be this, and not work. Yeah. And to, how old are you? Be a part of history. I'm 19. Nice. That's great. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I like my sweater. They was beautiful. Yeah. That's awesome. Did you get that silk screen here yep. today? Oh, that's, that's no, not today. Show. The other day. Oh, the other day. Yeah. This. The, uh, what was your name again? Janae. Janae just walked up to us and she's wearing a silk screen Occupy Oakland shirt that she got made here for free. For free. That's in awesome. Protest, which looks fucking great. <laughs> How do you feel about the police crackdown last Tuesday? I felt it. Literally, I felt it. I got tear gas and the whole shit. It really oh, hurt. Shit. And I felt like it was uncalled for. I felt like there was people getting killed in East Oakland that they should have been really doing their job. Right. My taxes went to a bunch of people standing still for hours and then tear gassing this late night and shooting us with right. rubber bullets. Right. $2 million. They, they could have saved the arts and schools. That could have opened up clinics and stuff. Instead, they wanted to pay people to stand still. Right. Like, what kind of shit is that? And what about the fucking helicopters? I mean, how much is with that costing spotlight? us? With the spotlight. Man, we had like six of them just floating yeah. in the air. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. That's a lot of gas, man. That's a lot of money that we're paying to these helicopters just patrolling the city nonstop. You know what I mean? Nonstop. I just think it was uncalled for, unnecessary. It just shows how much more power they have and what they're capable of doing. We just have to do things strategically and purposefully, not just because it's a great idea. Like, we need to take our time and be patient with the process of change. Because if we rush the shit, it ain't going to happen how we want it to. So I'm just out here trying to be patient. The more they stifle us, the more we're going to stand up. So I'm glad you. to see y'all out here occupying though. Thank you, though. Hell yeah, we're going to occupy. Have a good one. That was Janae, a uh, 19-year-old, out here showing support, showing support for the Occupy movement. We have a we have a gentleman right here with a 9-11 Inside Job Stick shirt on. Hey, um, what's up, man? What's your name? Uh, Jacob Riccio. Nice to meet you, Jacob. Uh, why, nice to meet you. We love your shirt. Thank you. We uh, were big propo- proponents of the 9-11 Inside Job Movement, uh, 9-11 Truth Movement here for Media Roots. Um, representing Occupy Oakland, do you live here? I do. Nice. I do. Were Just you here on Tuesday? On Tuesday, I was not down here, but I heard what happened and I saw a lot of the images. Uh, looks like a lot of unnecessary violence. Thankfully, there's not a lot of police presence today. I think uh, everything's been going pretty well. Why do you think the police have backed off? Do you think they're just kind of waiting in the wings? I really don't know. Yeah. We were just saying what, maybe one one out of every I just point it say. people here are undercover, maybe. That's, you know, that's probably a high possibility. They yeah. probably played safe, just go undercover. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't be surprised. It is pretty surprising, though, that you don't see a single cop. I mean, that is... Yeah, that's a little that's unusual. A little bit surprising. Big difference from Tuesday to now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> obviously, someone's had a change of heart. Have you met any tactics. other fellow 9-11 truthers today? Uh, not a lot. Uh, a few handshakes here and there. Um, yeah, I haven't really seen a lot of uh, presence, but still a lot of in the Fed, so happy, yeah. happy What do you think that. about the, the Occupy Oakland movement, just the like Occupy Wall Street movement in general? Um, I feel like this is, this is huge. I mean, I, I don't know if there's too big of a difference between the two of them, but in general, it seems to be getting really big, and um, I think that it's it's actually good now that I'm down here I think it's really good that the message is is everyone's individual message because it's definitely not one problem and uh, it's it's good to see that you know there's a lot of awareness a lot more than I really thought there was <laughs> gives me a lot more faith than I thought um, I had but, when did you wake up to 9-11 video inside job um, it's probably been three or four years a lot of online videos info wars documentaries like crazy a lot of reading yeah a lot of research, a lot yeah. of reading, come to terms I, mean, I was always into the news, but 
something was suspicious to me. Yeah. <laughs> Remember once, what, you, once you go over that line is when you drop into this world. But was there a specific moment or factoid about 9/11 that really sparked it for you? Uh, there was, in particular, the, uh, the nanothermite found in the dust and the molten molten uh, iron or oxides steel. down the steel down the channels. Yeah. To me, that just. I mean, that's that's the smoking gun. Yep. It's as good as evidence gets. It's provable scientifically. I don't know how that doesn't bring up more questions. The elephant in the room. Yeah, yeah it's I mean, it's huge. That along with Building Seven, like most people don't even know what it is, and that's yeah. Can you imagine if a building like let's look around here yeah, for a second? These buildings, these buildings like, aren't even seventy stories. Imagine if one of them just fucking fell down, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. we're here sitting this is, in the middle. Building building like, even notice, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, like a building three times this size, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, nuts. It's absolutely nuts. But, man, check out Meteorites. We're trying to represent citizen journalism for the Bay Area and report the opposite of the conventional wisdom and propaganda that were forced at by the corporate press. And that's why we're out here covering what the fuck is really going on. I, I was right on the front lines. I got tear gas, and I have it on footage of the police totally unwarranted tear gassing everyone, no provocation coming from the protesters whatsoever. I mean, the corporate media is trying to paint us as this disjointed, marginalized group of crazy people. They're not here. They're not even here. Where is the corporate media? Come on, show yourself. There's (laughs) There's a helicopter. (laughs) Yeah, no, they're just police helicopters. Watching watching out for when to send the riot gear cop, riot gear clad in uh, police force out in full effect again. But she just said something really on point. She said, you know, we have 99 problems, but there's only one, the one source of it all. I mean, the corporate media should be painting this movement as what is the source? The source is corporate greed. You know, yeah, we have a lot of issues. We have a shitload of issues that we care about. There's a shitload of problems going on in the world. And because everyone's here representing the problem that they're most passionate about doesn't, doesn't mean that we don't matter and that we don't mean something or that these problems aren't valid. It just means that there's a shitload of them because of one issue, corporate greed, corporate control, corporate consolidation, the two-tiered justice system, the covering up. And yeah, corporate greed is allowed to go unfettered because of the U.S. government and other governments around the world whose laws and bills and policies are written by these corporations because they have an open-door relationship with the government. I mean, at this point in time, government privatizes and and outsources so many of their functions to these private corporations that at this point they're almost indistinguishable from one another. And uh, that's the really scary thing. Things like Blackwater. um, Yeah, there's there's quite a lot of it. Yeah, it's... Yeah, we're still doing the show. Yeah, so yeah it's um, like the uh, rally just started up again over here. Got some hip hop music going. Yep. That's a beautiful. And I don't, I don't think people should. If anybody has any hesitation or fear about coming down to join Occupy Oakland because of police presence or because of you know fear of getting tear gassed, you're here with everybody else. I mean, just being around the group of people and protesters here will give you a feeling of confidence. And, and empower you, so you won't that whatever fear you're currently fe- feeling will you it'll you it'll won't be there anymore. Is what I'm saying. You'll you'll have a change of heart once you get here and actually see what's going on and uh, yeah. the atmosphere here. Even when even when the police cracked down on us Tuesday night, um, it was scary, but it was still beautiful to be standing with everyone, standing with the power to the peaceful man. I mean, we are the peaceful, and. 
you know, you can you can fire as many rubber bullets and you can even shoot us if you want to, but we're still going to be standing strong and we're not going to back off. Yeah. Um, so no matter how much force is cracked down on us, we're not going away. We're just going to come back stronger. As Alex Jones famously said, you could nerve gas us all day. <laughs> we're ready to rock. We're ready to rock. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, yeah, I'm surprised I don't see a little bit more right-wing stuff here. Well, not right-wing, I should say, like, not liberal, you know, stuff here. Well, you know... Uh, I feel like that's... It hasn't really broken through yet. There might be a, a, a coalescence of those two kind of factions at some point. I hope so. And I, and I think a lot of that message going around right now um, about, oh, you know, we should treat corporations like people, um, we shouldn't tax the rich, and things like that. I mean, there's... I don't know. I feel like that's all kind of setting the stage for a divide-and-conquer sort of feeling that can make both of these movements. And when I say both of these movements, I mean like people on the right who are against the Federal Reserve or against corporate welfare um, who are against taxation from the government. I think that a lot of that propaganda going around right now is designed to split those two movements up and make them feel like they're against each other. But in reality, they really are against the same things, which is the corruption of our government by corporations. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and the Tea Party people, um, I, I, you know, there's a lot of comments on these YouTube videos, and it's giving me kind of a good insight on how, just the, what the mindset is of the average Americans who are watching these videos. And I think it's a good variety. I mean, a lot of them are fucking trolls. Let's make that clear. Yeah. But, it, but it is a good, but it is, um, it is an accurate kind of reflection on just the mindset of what some people are thinking about this movement about the tea party movement in general but yeah robbie's right i mean we're all in this together the tea party movement you know of course it got hijacked from the original libertarian uh, ron paul movement but they're really against big government they're against big government and the bureaucratic control and the crackdown and but but when you're looking at the occupy wall street movement we're against corporate control they're both the same. Yeah, the government's getting bigger because it's getting more corporate entr entrenched in corporations. Yeah. And I feel like there's a knee-jerk reaction that kind of takes place against that. I've spoken with some friends of mine who are more on the generic liberal end of the spectrum, and they're like, well, I want bigger government. You know, I want the government to take care of me or whatever. But when you say you're anti-big government, I think that what that really means is you're anti-government cor corruption. And anti the government having its two-tiered justice system, where they have the elites not being prosecuted and immunized from the law, while people like you and I, or you know, and things like that, are the full force of the law is leveled upon us. Or people like private soldiers, like Blackwater, they get paid, you know, a hundred times what an American soldier gets paid per day. Those kind of things are what big government uh, ends up creating, and I think. You know, for a lot of liberal people out there who are want free healthcare and things like that, there's no reason why you can't also take a stand against big government. We don't need to have a government keep accelerating at the size that our government is now and keep on the same path. We just need to reorganize our priorities and spend our money in our government on things that actually help people and not spend our money on things that actually kill people. And, uh, I mean... I just think that that's pretty obvious, you know, most, most people that I know would be able to get on board with that, but it's these kind of talking point distilled, um, kind of tunneled vision, different perspectives that, you know, on the surface seem to contradict each other, but they really are going towards the same thing. Absolutely. Yeah, and once again, it's the divide and conquer, and, and an interesting thing about the Tea Party rally 
where was the tear gas from the Tea Party rally? They actually had, uh, they were armed. There were people walking around at these Tea Party rallies with actual guns. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when you're looking at the police response, it's a very interesting response uh, to see no crackdown to these Tea Party rallies, but then full police state uh, riot tear gassing and shooting rubber bullets at people who are completely unarmed, yeah. unarmed civilians. Um, yeah. And a lot of the Tea Party um, rallies, they were never actually embodying any form of civil disobedience. They always got permits for where they would protest. They would protest in squares or in parks that they were allowed to. And uh, they never had any civil disobedience aspect to go along with it where the cops had to respond in that way. And, you know, to me, that shows that the Tea Party, as it eventually, what it eventually evolved into, never really had any teeth as an actual resistant movement against the establishment. You need to inject some form of civil disobedience, some threats against the establishment into an effective protest movement that goes against the big government. You need to, or else it's just not going to be effective. And, you know, that's the badge of honor a lot of these Tea Party or protesters like to wear is they're like, oh, well, we never, you know, didn't leave when the police told us to. We listened to what the police told us to. It's like, and you're proud of that? <laughs> you're proud of the fact that you didn't do any form of civil disobedience? I mean, you shouldn't be proud of that, honestly. Abby just Twittered that we're here at Occupy Oakland. Come down. We tweet. Come down. Media Roots tweet. Media Roots Twitter. It's at Media Roots News. Uh, check us out on Twitter. Media Roots News on Facebook. Uh, join up with us so you can get updates for all the crazy shit that we do. <laughs> and for all the uh, the smack I talk about Twitter um, and how much I hate it because I'm turning into a curmudgeonly old man, uh, I actually have to say that during these protests um, and actually watching you know online as the, as the updates were coming in Twitter things like Twitter are the best way to actually follow real-time information you know people are posting live feeds to these helicopter cameras um, when one of them gets shut down somebody will tweet another one and what's great about Twitter is you can actually search for something and then in real time it'll show you those search terms popping up so you can search for hashtag occupy Oakland feed and you'll just get in real time as people pop up new feeds they'll come up on your Twitter feed yeah so to use it like that is actually extremely useful for this kind of activism and uh, and protest movements and even if you just want to be a, a spectator from home um, go on Twitter and when you hear of anything going down any police actions just go to Twitter and um, you know look for these live feeds yeah I mean I used to make fun of Twitter so much until I started using it for activism and for journalism and now I literally go on there multiple times throughout the day I mean especially ever since this Occupy Oakland crackdown happened it's a live feed constantly going on from at Occupy Oakland and they just tell you everything on the minute as it's happening live feeds photos coverage um, it's it's very very good it's definitely by far the best resource that you can get to cover real time what is going on um, it's, it's a great, great resource. I go there and get my news every day. I just follow all my favorite journalists and media organizations, and I get a daily feed of all the news that's happening. I don't even really necessarily have to look that, that much online on a day-to-day -day basis to aggregate for media roots anymore. I just go on Twitter, and it's, and it's fantastic. So it's a really great resource. Um, unfortunately, Twitter is censoring some of the hashtag OWS uh, things. Um, 
you know, Twitter is a giant corporation as well. I don't know who owns Twitter right now, but they're definitely censoring um, some of the hashtag uh, OWS things to be featured on the homepage. Um, yeah. So watch out for that. I mean, best thing to do, instead of looking for trending topics, best thing to do is just go straight to the feeds of these uh, these different local Occupy chapters to see what's going on. Yeah, I mean, if, you can, if you're good at Google food, you can just use, it, use Google to search for these live feeds and just <clears throat> sort the results by the date posted so you can find the absolute newest one um, so yeah I mean there's a lot of ways to find out about what's going on it's just it never ceases to amaze me the kind of the knee jerk defense of the police state and, and the way that this country is operating right now I mean the militarization of local police forces and privatized and privatized a lot of the police that were here weren't even local police they were like from a, um, a security corporation or other other like um, I don't even know where they came from but the mayor even admitted that a lot of them were local police yeah and it just shows you how much they they can come together and react to something so quickly I mean they how strong the police pay the police state presence is when push comes to shove is very fucking scary. I mean, it's very scary how quickly they can shut down and just um, gas people and that they'd be willing to do that against the peaceful assembly. Yeah. And it's all about what are they willing to do and when do they see what they're willing to do? We only see what they're willing to do when we actually threaten them. When yeah. they feel threatened. And you could tell that the police that were there that night were very scared because they knew what orders they were given. And the orders they were given were to unleash a full barrage of, quote, non-lethal conditions on a cow. And we would, I mean, if people didn't actually run away and people tried to stay there, it probably would have been far worse. I mean, yeah, they, they would have shot it right in our faces. Yeah, they were prepared to come down even much harder than they did. I wish that I did have a gas mask so I could have stood there, but... I guess I was just really shocked at, at what they, you know, knowing that they were about to gas us, standing right there doing nothing. There were people laying on the ground trying to do civil disobedience. Um, it was a very sad moment. It was a sad moment of history, but it was also a beautiful thing to see how the people will stand up. And when you actually see what they're capable of, you know, when, you, when, they, when they show their hand like that, you can't help but be kind of shocked. Um, it kind of reminds me of one of the last big anti-Vietnam War protests at UC, on the UC Berkeley campus that I've seen video footage of, where people are protesting down below, and I think they were kind of surprised because there wasn't as much ground police presence, but then all of a sudden a copter comes in, just spraying tear gas from <laughs> up above, from the sky, spraying down tear ga gas like a crop duster yeah, onto the Yeah, they crop. crop dusted tear gas onto the protesters in... Berkeley. On Berkeley. Yeah, this is Berkeley, folks. This is uh, in their early 70s. As every giant movement that has been revolutionary, civil rights, the suffrage movement, um, every the, the anti-war movement, that's all founded on civil disobedience. Civil disobedience was written to the Bill of Rights because it was it's essential to progress. It's essential to change, to real fucking change, not talking points from po political candidates that I'm talking about. I'm talking about change and real shit that goes on is all founded on the backs of people who do civil disobedience and don't obey and don't follow fucking orders from from the police state. Yeah, and we're not telling, we're not encouraging people out there to go like punch a cop or anything like that. We're encouraging you to stand up for your constitutional rights. Yeah. You know, people say, oh, well, the cops told you to leave and you didn't leave. It's like... That's what you get. Well, you have that's a right. That's what you get. Oh, man. Thank, thank you. you so much. They're like, that's what you get. You should have left when they asked you to. It's like, well, then how are we ever going to change anything if 
if we just do what, quote, they tell us to. Tyler from Media Roots just came and gave us a Tyler, water delivery. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. much needed. There's uh, some unconfirmed reports that the Black Block... Some unconfirmed reports that the Black Block guys, the guys who dress up in black clothing, that there's provocateurs. the provocateurs just smashed out the windows at Bank of America... Okay, so campaign has started the fake ass protesters known as the quote black block the fucking post probably covered their faces bitches. probably some of them are undercover cops we already know that there are undercover cops infiltrating this rally right fucking now and we just heard that the black block is breaking windows at Bay of A's yeah, so this so is going to turn really Whole ugly Foods. also supposedly at Whole Foods they've been spray painting and, and there's some reports of smashed windows um, so we'll have to see what happens with that see if that continues on going well it's also being said that, a lot, that the majority of the crowd has stopped, has started chanting at those people to stop, saying, we know that you're not part of us, we know you're police officers, so wow. hopefully um, that, that, that type of um, uh, activity doesn't continue. Yeah, no, that's, that's really scary. That's really scary because we don't know um, who these people are. There's... Where did you go just now? Did you walk down Broadway? Yeah, we just went down. Um, there's actually a large group of people. A, a huge uh, percentage of the march is actually coming back to, to meet up at uh, Frankagawa Plaza. They just went down to the banks. They apparently closed down some, some other corporations like Burger King and some other things. <laughs> uh, but... Um, I don't. I don't know what happened at the banks. Besides that, there's some reports of the broken windows. So, but they're all coming back right now. Oh shit! This is about to get really crazy. Yeah. We're um, at four o'clock. Is when four o'clock. Everyone's gonna march down to the port. Uh, a lot of the four o'clock. Four o'clock. A lot of the news coverage is is trying to say that there's not many people here, and they're showing small sex, small sex of the of the the movement in little parts, and they're saying, oh, it's pathetic and things like that. Actually, there's like six thousand people. I mean, we thought that this was all that was going on. Holy shit! There's apparently a huge march coming back right now. Um, we're not even. I mean, we're not. Even in the we're not <laughs> people right now. I, I mean, this were, is we, nuts. We were, but now like it looks like there's a shitload more people coming our way. Um. So now we're waiting. We're waiting right now for this, for this movement to converge, to converge where we are. Yeah, yeah. So, so we were just informed that there actually might be buses to actually ship people to the port. Yeah. One more. Hopefully, the if there are if there is vandalism happening and the banks and the windows and stuff uh, doesn't really continue and people shut that shit down. Yeah, that 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 is really really scary. Um, I, I watched a video of when they first shut down. The police first tried to shut down Occupy Oakland, and a couple of younger people were like pushing a dumpster towards the cops. And I know one guy or two people like stood in front of the dumpster. Wanna, they were like, "No!" Do you want to like go? Like, get some- yeah, because it just takes one person to to you know all they need is one act of violence to justify the crackdown, brutal crackdown from police to like thousands of people right now. All they need is one window smashed. So we know. I mean, the majority of the crowd here knows that. They know that they can't do that. We can't be anything but peaceful. We're never going to win. We can't fight the biggest military force in the world. That's not possible. It has to be peaceful. We have to follow the likes of Martin Luther King and Gandhi here because we can't can't fight the fucking military-industrial complex. It's not possible. So we need to figure out a peaceful way to do it. And this is the only way we can do it is peaceful, nonviolent, civil disobedience. That's it. I mean... Yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing that they would want the most is for someone to do something violent so they can paint all the protesters as violent. Um, they want somebody to commit vandalism so they can paint everybody here as just a bunch of vandals. Uh, it's the easiest thing to do. Um, you know, and 
Let's yeah. hope. Let's hope that it doesn't get too out of hand because there are inexplicably no police here whatsoever, and we're very yeah. Surprised. We're <laughs> I mean, we're really shocked. It's kind of a surprise that we there hasn't really been anything getting out of hand. You know. I mean, Hold on, I like this girl's sign. Um, I really like your sign. Um, we are, I wanted to tell everyone at home, you know, if you're not near an Occupy Wall Street event, there is a, there is something that you can do other than donate to MediaReads.org, of course. <laughs> um, but there's stuff that you can do at home to really fuck with these banks. Um, I just saw a YouTube clip that I'm going to link to right now on the timeline, but all these business reply mails, um, orders that you get for credit, for credit cards and all this shit that junk mail that you get from banks and stuff. They all have business reply envelopes in in the mailings. And what you can do, they have to pay for the postage. So what you do is take all of your junk mail on a day-to-day basis, shove it back in the business reply envelopes, and send it off to these banks. And they will not only pay for the postage, but eventually the more people that do this, uh, they're going to have to really stop. And they're going to have to have a meeting and go, what the fuck do we do now? Because everyone's just sending us back these mailings. And, and it's going to be a pretty substantial um, mark on them if everyone really does participate in this. I'm, I'm going to do it. My friend Misha told me that he's actually been taping the business reply envelopes at the top of boxes full of phone, phone books. And that they will ship like anything back to these banks and that they'll pay for it. So, I mean, if that's true... I mean, you could do anything. You can just ship, like, all your junk in boxes and just tape the business reply envelopes, and they'll just, like, pay for the shipping <laughs> to these banks. I'm not even joking. What this guy in the video says to do is buy, like, little wood chips that are the exact same size as envelopes if you're willing to spend a couple bucks and get, like, 30 wood chips. And it'll just make it so fucking heavy. And also, it makes it way more expensive to mail back if it's a stiff um, envelope, like, completely stiff. So, I mean, these are just little things that you can do to annoy and occupy their time and really make them think twice about forcing these credit cards down our throats and creating more debt and enslaving us more and more into the system. That's an interesting idea. I haven't heard that one. Hi, sir. We're broadcasting right now. Uh, Why are you supporting the strike today? Why are you supporting the strike today? Well... (laughs) No problem. What was your name? Sparrow, nice. W-W. Nice to meet you. Just a gentleman stopped by our booth. My name's Abby Martin, Media Roots. I think I, uh, I think you came in the press. Did you see the interview Yes. Yes. Good to meet you. Awesome. Awesome. Have a beautiful day. A uh, gentleman just stopped by the booth to grab a flyer. Um, older gentleman with a button on that said General Strike, so... There's people of all walks of life here, all ages. It's great to see is there's a lot of, you know, we, we were a little hard on the baby boomer generation or even the previous generation to them on our last episode of Media Roots talking about how they're, they, they, they've had, have a form of PTSD where they don't, where they're not active anymore, but I'm feeling pretty hopeful right now. I'm seeing quite a lot of people who are over 60, um, you know, 60 to 80 years old here, which is really promising. What's hilarious is that they thought that this brutal assault and crackdown would actually get us to stop. I've never seen so many people out in my hometown. I mean, I feel like I'm in the height of the Vietnam anti-war movement right now in the, in the 60s. It's a beautiful, hopeful thing. It's amazing. Um, and, and what was another really, really beautiful thing to see is that the Egyptians in Tahir Square actually had a solidarity march for Oakland, for Occupy Oakland. 
in the days following the brutal assault and crackdown, the, the Egyptians had a march in solidarity. I mean, that's how global this has become. And if you're if you're conservative out there and you don't like the 99% movement, or you just don't like the 99% movement for whatever reason, I mean, just try to look past a lot of the specifics and a lot of the messages that you hear individuals spouting off, and think about it this way. You know, the power in this country and the power that keeps us down and stifles free thought and stifles progress are the 1%, or more accurately, I don't even think the 1% is accurate. It's the 0.01%. It's the people out there who, you know, are worth billions of dollars. Um, the corporations out there that are able to buy off the government. Uh, you know, I'm sure there are some corporations and some people in the 1% who are good people. There probably are. But, you know, I mean, there's such a disparity between the power structure and the wealth that how could you as a citizen who feels some of this, you know, gets, gets audited by the IRS, um, you know, has extremely high health insurance uh, payments to pay, um, has gone to jail for minor drug offenses while all these bankers in Wall Street get off free for, you know, stealing billions and billions of dollars. Uh, there's so many reasons to want to join this movement right now that, I don't know, I just think that, you know, Put that resistance aside and try to stand in solidarity with some of these other people. Um, you know, like we were saying earlier, the Tea Party movement and this movement have a lot in common. And people need to look past the trappings of it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot of people even who are in the truth movement, quote-unquote, I mean, the, the, the movement that I align myself with normally have said, have played into the, a lot of the divide and conquer stuff and said, like, the General Assemblies are creepy and how, how weird it is that, um, you know, who's funding this movement? I'm not going to trust a movement that just seems to be organically spread off of nowhere. Well, guess what? I know it's really hard to, to accept. Believe me. We know. <laughs> we know how hard it is to trust an organ as, uh, an, an, a movement at this magnitude that, or would even acknowledge the fact that it could be organic. But we've seen nothing to the contrary. I mean, if, you can, if anyone can provide evidence to us that this is totally co-opted from the get-go, do it. But well, I mean, it's, it's the, important to not just like dismiss it. Yeah. And, I mean, this is an opportunity for us to start communicating with each other. I totally agree. And then the so-called evidence that a lot of people have tried to show, um, including a lot of the people in the Infowars community, have tried to show about how this protest is co-opted is flimsy at best. Um, a long time ago, I think it was like three weeks ago when this first started, I saw a whole expose on how because Adbusters was one of the first people to promote that first sit-in or whatever and because they're funded by some sort of liberal corporate think tank that it must be some sort of communist uh anti-capitalist like think tank like like push agenda or new world order like agenda or some bullshit and i just think that that's really sad that a lot of these people who are talking badly about the movement who are trying to paint it as some sort of um, corporate uh, sponsored thing or whatever, they haven't actually come down here and seen it for themselves yet. Or the ones who are complaining about the human microphone or the style in which people protest, they need to come down here and see it for themselves. They really do, and stop and stop, you know, looking at it from the outside and uh, and talking about it that way. I really think people are just being ignorant and uninformed about what's going on. Absolutely, yeah. No, people, a lot of people who have just said those things haven't come down and talked to people yet. I mean. This is an amazing movement that is happening almost all around the country and now sprouting off to the rest of the world. 
And if nothing else, if you're unhappy about the way things are, if you have an opinion about something, if you want to share philosophy or ideas, this is the opportunity to do so. There's people gathered in public squares, ready to talk. Their minds are open. They're ready to rock, baby. I mean, people are <laughs> fed the fuck up. It's time that we take it down and start linking up with each other. Our community has put itself out there. And it's our duty to go and link up with these people and to start the conversation. Um, I just wanted to mention something a little bit off topic, but it, it really goes along the lines of why people are here today. And um, Glenn Greenwald wrote a book recently be called And Justice for Some, How America Has a Two-Tier Justice System is, is the kind of the, the synopsis of the book. And by two-tier justice system, we mean that normal people are subjected to the law, are dracon increasingly draconian laws. Well, the elites and the billionaires in this country and the political elites are Im immunized from the law. And a great example of this is the so-called liberal newspaper, the New York Times. They sat on a story for two entire years so that George W. Bush could win the 2004 election. If they released this story during his running for president, he, he might not have won the presidency. But anyways, the story that they sat on was that the NSA was wiretapping people without warrants and without going to the FISA courts um, for so-called terrorism suspicions uh, for years and years and years during the Bush administration. And there were actually people in the Bush administration who resigned out of protest. And one of those people who resigned during that same time was John Ashcroft. And he, a lot of people don't even remember this, but he was actually opposed to this NSA wiretapping thing. He was opposed to it because he knew that the Bush administration was blatantly breaking the law. And what happened was the telecom lobbies, uh, AT&T, Verizon, all the big telecom companies lobbied the government and actually got people inside the government to speak on their behalf. Elites, people who served political office, who held all this power. And uh, they actually convinced and lobbied the entire democratically controlled Congress of the time to immunize the telecom industries and make it so that they could not be prosecuted retroactively. These are people who broke the law openly, blatantly, unmistakably broke the law. These corporations broke it and they are not subjected to the law. They, if somebody wanted to sue them for being wiretapped illegally, they can't now because of a bill passed by the Congress. And guess who helped pass it? Senator Obama, who promised he would filibuster the law. Chris Dodd was one of the people who promised to filibuster it. And everybody who promised to filibuster it with him never ended up joining him. I think Hillary Clinton was actually one of the only people who, famous people who actually like voted against it. To her yeah. credit, you know, I mean, Obama voted for it. He voted to immunize corporations from blatantly breaking laws that amount to privacy for American citizens in this country. Yeah, I mean, this is a this is a good segue now to just talk about the the corporate control. I mean, you know, you see all these people here with different signs: the agriculture um, industry, the banking industry, education, war, the war industry. All of these things are connected. Um, yeah, we might seem disjointed from the corporate, the way the corporate press is painting us because there's so much fucking stuff to, it's like everyone has their issue um, because it's all the same problem. Like that girl said, it's all corporate greed and it's the corporate entrenchment of our political system and the fact that corporations have bought out 
our political system, the lobbying, the extensive yeah. lobbying. They bought out not only the, uh, yeah, they, they bought out the justice system. Too. Yeah. They're not subjected to the law. They, yeah. They cross international boundaries now. They can operate in whatever territories they want, being subjected to whatever laws they want to. And when I say subjected to it, they're not subjected to them very strongly. I mean, look at how many corporations... They get a slap on the wrist. Yeah, they don't have to pay taxes. And when they do get charged with something, all they have to do is pay fines. Yeah, these, these banks just... don't pay taxes. No, and, and, and they don't pay as far as criminal punishments. They just pay fines. Yeah, and exactly. And fines to them exactly. are a calculated investment risk. They're like, okay, if we break this law, <laughs> how much fines will we have to pay? Yeah. And we'll oh, be it's worth, worth it. it. Oh, okay. Totally worth it, well, bro. We're still going to pull a profit even if we have to pay this fine. I mean, it's it's absurd the, the, the amount of... Um, illegality corporations commit and how little they have to be subjected exactly, to Exactly, Robbie. You just hit it so hard on the head. I mean, the BP oil spill, for example, there's this company who we're still awarding most of our oil and gas exports through BP. Okay, this is happening right now. A year and a half after the worst oil spill in the history of the planet destroys the Gulf of Mexico. It's still affecting. I mean, people still can't fish there. Their livelihood's destroyed. What does BP get? They get a fucking slap on the wrist. They have to pay a couple million dollars in fines. Um, it's it's insane. No jail time. No accountability. We're still awarding them. We're still awarding them contracts. I mean, this is why we're here. This is why we're doing this. It's not just the banks. It's everything. It's everything. It's all these corporations. It's the two-tier justice. It's the unaccountability. Yeah, and, and you know, a lot of libertarians and people complain about the EPA and how they're this draconian organization and how they do more harm than good. Um, I don't think we should remove protections for the environment in this country. I don't think we should at all. I, I want the government to be able to have that power to be able to punish corporations who pollute and who do evil things to the world. However, what a lot of people don't talk about is how organizations like the EPA are basically regulators that are paid off. Um, they're paid off to not do their job. Take a um, project. And going back to the BP oil spill for a second, you know. So, Robbie, you were just talking about, you know, it's not just, it's not just the fact that we don't hold these corporations accountable, but it's actual criminal negligence on top of their illegality. Well, yeah, I mean, on top of their malfeasance and not going along with the regulations. I mean. For example, 11 people died in the deep water, uh, was it the, the horizon, what's the rig called? The deep water horizon. Yeah, the deep water horizon oil rig explosion killed 11 people. Yet, you know, how much do they actually have to pay out to those victims of, of how that happened? And, and on top of that, uh, it's actually been shown that BP was criminally liable for their deaths. They actually helped pay off the regulators who were supposed to make sure that everything was up to safety standards. Um, to not do their job. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, and all these so-called regulators and stuff, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm going to go back to this again, but a lot of libertarians say we should abolish all regulators, um, you know, because they're all corrupt or whatever. But that's not going after the, the problem. That's only going after, that's just like, I don't know, to me that's putting the carpet for the horse. We should try to do a house clean and actually make it so they, these regulators are independent bodies. And then maybe they can actually be voted on by the people, so they're not um, 
they're not so entrenched into this corporate money flow. You know, yeah. maybe they should be able to be voted out. We need people. We need regulators out there to protect us. What, what I would love to see is regulators actually being elected. I mean, I would love to like independently. I would like to have these people not just appointed by by certain politicians because it just seems to be so much cronyism. I mean, you look at the the FDA and the passing of aspartame and the non-labeling of GMOs and the total cronyism when it comes to to Donald Rumsfeld's role in getting aspartame out in the market. I mean, he was directly involved in the production and 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 making profit off that. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, it really does come down to... The politicians who, who put the people up in these regulatory bodies to make it appear that there's regulation when there's really not. I mean, what it comes down to is just basic laws. Basic laws that need to be applied to everyone all across the board. Yeah. And uh, I just find it absurd that a lot of people are like, okay, let's get rid of all the regulators because the free market will regulate and make it so the corporations that do pollute, people don't favor them and favor the ones that don't pollute instead. That's absolute bullshit. And for people to say, oh, yeah, the free market will take care of lead and toys. Oh, that people just won't buy toys that don't have lead in them. Bullshit. The corporations are the people who produce these products trick the population into buying them. I mean, without regulators out there to make sure that this stuff doesn't get out there, we're screwed. And I really, I, I really strongly believe that. I don't think it's a valued argument at all to say that these people should not be subject to regulations because all the regulators are corrupt. The system is corrupt. It's not just the regulators. We're having a little break in the show. Let's get some music going. Welcome back to Media Roots Radio. That was our little impromptu musical break here. I'm walking back over to the table with Abby right now. And here we continue with Media Roots Radio. So, Tyler, tell us what you just saw walking down there. Um, yeah, there was a, some, uh, some, some bike 
guys dressed up like protesters that were uh, had you know their Cannondale bikes and their very nice police issued road tires and everything. And uh, it was kind of obvious they rode by. They got to the intersection where the march was coming through. They kind of split up and then they began speaking into little microphones on their on their shirt collars. How were they dressed? Like like protester, you know, this kind of like hipster jeans, kind of cut off, you know, tight jeans. Uh, and then my friend Chris was walking by another van, and there was a few un- unmarked vans with blacked out windows, and he couldn't tell, but there was lots of people inside. He said it looked like police officers, that they're now parking vans around Frankagawa Plaza. So cops are, are infiltrating the, the surrounding area. They're not showing their presence yet. So we were just informed that there's a shitload of, um, you know, unmarked, unmarked uh, police vans and just, yeah, just an ensemble of police coming and surrounding us right now. So I think that they're really, um, you know, they're prepared. They're prepared. We're just waiting right now. It's, it's kind of creepy, the, the whole idea of, like, undercover cops. Um, I saw, I, I heard of this really, I think we talked about this on Media Roots before, but there was a story of, like, a year and a half ago in San Francisco where somebody was having, like, an underground party, and uh, some of the patrons of the party were actual undercover cops dressed up as ravers. And uh, one of them actually tackled the fucking DJ while he was performing. He tackled him without provocation, just straight up tackled him. And uh, all their equipment was seized by the police. Their turntables, their amplifiers. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. undercover police stuff is pretty bizarre. And in New York City, too, I mean, uh, I had a few friends who watched undercover cops on the subway just randomly tackle people, like who they thought were pickpockets or something. They're all over New York. Like, yeah, like, there's, mean, like there's, like, cops with, like, you know, big black guys with dreadlocks, you know, undercover cops in, in New York City all over the subways. Yeah, I mean, right now... Uh, there's just undercover police probably crawling all over this place. Um, that's yeah, that's how they know. Not happy about it either. No. Yeah. The cops wanted the day off. I, I, I have, actually have some friends on OPD. Really. And 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 they were they were just like teachers get the day off, the ports get the day off, and all of us have to work. It's like and basically they were getting mixed messages from all of their command, and it's like you know what do you do? You know they're told one thing and. They have to do well, another. It comes to a point where they have to stop following the orders and join us. I know that it's just their job, but I, mean, I guess it is, it is the nature of police work. It is work. the nature of police work. It is. Um, I know. And yeah. I, I have to have mad respect for Oakland PD. They didn't fire tear gas on the people burning cars on 14th Street during the Oscar Grant riots. Well, why didn't? But see, why did they fire tear gas on us, but not people who were actually doing that was stuff like that? PD too. And Alameda, Alameda PD. There was a 17-squad police yeah. force presence that cracked down, which I guess it's scary to see how much, how quickly they can coalesce and consolidate against against groups of people. I mean, when it when it crosses city lines like that, you know, it shows you how strong their presence really is collectively. So more people are flooding into Frankagawa Plaza right now. More and more people. You know what? We also need to get the army on our side. We're talking about the police forces right now, but another thing that we don't talk about enough is a lot of people are against the military. Um, I understand the mentality of people getting into the military. Um, it's a very hopeless thing. It, it makes so much sense why, you know, so many people join the military these days. But at the same time, we don't even really need our military, our volunteer military, to sustain these wars anymore. And that's also part of the frightening thing is that things like Blackwater and all the, the, the contractor influence, KBR, 
um, in Iraq and places like Afghanistan, if they continue with that model and on the same trajectory, we don't even need a volunteer army. And that's and that's what I was just going to say is that the army needs to stand against the one percent also and realize that they're yeah. being sold out. Yeah. The army's being sold out. And there and there is an element within the army that does. Um, know that these private contractors are basically getting way more benefits than them um, for putting themselves at a lot less risk. I mean, in Iraq, for example, the Nasir Square massacre that was done by Blackwater, it ended up being the U.S. military investigative unit in Iraq who uncovered the facts about what happened there. They actually investigated that. They were doing their normal job. They, you know, I'm sure that a lot of the times they cover stuff up or whatever, but at the same time, you have to understand that you know, as much as there's a conspiracy to, to keep things under wraps, to keep things quiet, there's a definite resistance against private contractors in Iraq from the internal military structure. How could you sit around there and get paid pittance and watch these guys getting paid thousands of dollars a day, you know, getting to... And totally immunized yeah. and not even following allegiance to any sort of constitutional yeah. body. They're allowed to drink. They're, you know, they can come and go as they please. Their, their missions only last... Um, you know, a few months and they can go home yeah. to see their families. It's it's insane. There's an insane disparity between our private army and these exactly. Blackwater contractors. And, exactly. And there's already an element, yeah, like that that is against that. And, um, and it shows its face sometimes. We see that the army, you know, within the army, there's still autonomous thoughts going on. And they're not all robots, you know. They're exactly. not drones. They're, they're normal people who think for themselves. And and when they see their, their fellow uh, army people, you know, getting pushed down, and when they see their the government that they've been fighting for and their friends dying in front of them for, and they see private companies coming in and taking over and privatizing elements of, of the entity that they work under, I'm yeah, a lot of them are waking up to that, and a lot of them are realizing how fucked up it is, and they're seeing the unfairness of that. They don't want to be a part of that either. Um, I just saw a great video of a Marine at Occupy Wall Street in New York City where he's going up to all these NYPD who look really young. They look hella young. They look like almost like teenage boys. And he's like this huge fucking Marine, like fully in his gear. And he goes up to them and he's just like, why are you guys doing this? Why are you guys going around and beating unarmed civilians? Oh, they brought a bus. They have a bus here right now to pick up people to take them to the port to shut down the port. There's a bus here taking the first round of people. It's a black bus. No markings. Take a bathroom break. Okay, yeah. No, no, I want to keep talking. Okay, keep talking. I'll keep this one going too, okay? Okay. Um, so they're, they're all loading into the bus right now. I see free Bradley Manning signs. We got boots up on the stage. We got Tully's Coffee shut down. We're reporting right in front of Tully's Coffee. We're in front of a Walgreens that shut down. There were people doing sit-ins in front of Chase, in front of a Bank of America, doing chants, singing in unison, blocking the ATMs. People were taping off the ATMs. This movement span is spanning across about 10 blocks as far as I can see, and it probably goes farther than that. I mean, we marched all around all around downtown earlier and the whole thing was shut down. I can only imagine it's gotten bigger at this point. As the march is about to start any second to the port. Bus is going to the port right now. And it's it looked like some of them are Teamsters. Yeah. I saw like a big Teamsters bus. Wild. 
So yeah, I just walked around. I just went to take a piss at the do the Burger King over here, and there's a shitload of more people here than there were earlier. Like when I got here, there looked like there's maybe two thousand people, maybe more. Now it looks like there's about five thousand people here. Oh, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And that's just from the place where we just walked around. I mean, this is spreading like ten blocks all around us yeah, that and, we can't even look. At. And for people to just have an understand what, how many people that is for this area. There's only a, like a pretty tiny square area here, and then the rest of these people are just in the streets. I mean, they're covering up several streets around here. I mean, it's it's insane. Yeah. It goes all the way down 14th Avenue. About four blocks on Broadway is completely blocked off. It's great. Yeah, it's amazing. I see a lot of people here that I that I interviewed in my Why Occupy Oakland video that I made. I, I came here the first, Robbie and I came here the first day of Occupy Oakland. Oh, the buses are leaving right now. Yeah, I guess the last the one to go. Um, and, uh, and a lot of people just gave their reasons of why why they're fed up and it was a really good representation of, of how diverse this movement is. You can't pigeonhole us, guys much as you try we're all part of this whether you like it or not anyone who's pissed off right now is part of this global movement whether or not you identify yourself as an Occupy Wall Streeter um, so we're going to wrap up uh, this segment of Media Roots Radio and if there's any breaking news we'll definitely start recording again but um, thank you so much for listening to our as close as we can to live coverage of the Occupy Oakland strike downtown Francagawa Plaza on November 2nd, 2011. And as a final thing here on Media Roots, we're just going to do a little field recording, walk around the area and get some capture some of the music and sounds. I'm a 
I'm earnest without no pity. Me burnless without no pity. Me just a Oakland people in the Oakland buddy. What's your plan, Oakland? Me like it up on this. What's this? Don't they tell you about what I'm doing? Tell me what problem I'm doing. What problem I'm doing? What this? Don't they tell you? It's not fun, of course. It's a Oakland. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah,